All right, guys, welcome back to Geek's Podcast, Supply Chain, and other stuff. Today we're going to be talking about warehouses with a life-saving mission. So this is a warehouse out in Jacksonville that distributes Coca-Cola products. Coke, water, Red Bulls, any type of beverage that Coca-Cola produces. Sprite. What else do we have here? Some type of water. So anyway, when the pandemic hit, Coke leased a warehouse out in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, with a 108,000 square foot facility to store about a half a million cases of sparkle and drink some water. The intent from Jason Reed, the senior vice president, was to convert the warehouse into an overflow facility for 1.5 million cases of product from a nearby bottling plant. So they were producing all this water and soda at this bottling plant nearby. to go to this distribution facility over in Jacksonville, Florida. The bottom plant is about a quarter mile away and doesn't have sufficient on-site warehouse capacity to match production. The facility, by the way, annually produces 16 million cases of Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Energy, and Dasani, and AHA water. To back half of the new DC, the new DC affectionately known as H2, is filled with cases of water destined for distribution during those hurricanes. In fact, says Reed, the facility is designated as an essential business of hydration supplier to the Department of Homeland Security. <clears throat> but it wasn't until 60 days ago that H2 started supplying food retailers and, other, and others as people stocked up to stay at home during the COVID-19 crisis. Daily shipments increased roughly 25% to about 200,000 cases a day with the pandemic, says Reed. Those shipments, while dominated by cases of water, have included the full range of Coke products stored in the warehouse. When Reed was interviewed for a story, Florida had just implemented its stay-at-home order. At that point, Reed expected those elevated levels would remain for another two or three weeks before beginning to normalize as people stop stockpiling. Coca-Cola's Florida success here is not going to notice. Reed says retailers have offered accolades for the drink supplier's ability to keep their supply chain up and running. Not every other supply chain was do, able to do the same. The inventory in that warehouse is a valuable asset, especially in times of dire need. That went for Coke, he points out. It's just not a result of high shipment velocity from H2. It was also made possible by high efficiency on the part of the company's transportation and delivery supply chain. This, this facility is a strate strategic anchor point for product storage for the state of Florida. H2 also supports the company's volume growth and innovation strategy, says Reed. What follows is a story behind the warehouse that Coca-Cola Florida had no idea was building for a pandemic. So what I'd also like to talk about...
is dimensions of supply chain disruptions for COVID-19. So the dis a regular supply chain disruption, starting with the geography, most disruptions are local or regional. During COVID-19, it's widespread and global. The scope for a typical disruption is fewer industries are affected. As an example, a hurricane disrupts the, the petrochemical industry, force majeure. COVID-19 was widespread scope affecting both goods like toilet paper and services, haircuts or restaurants, meals, closures of sporting events, cruise ships, schools, universities, demand versus supply disruptions. So your typical disruption would be would affect the supply, sometimes demand. With COVID-19 affects demand and possibly supply. Prior planning and experience is the dimension. Typical disruption would be the disaster planning has been done and prior experience is available. COVID-19 limited disaster planning for global pandemic with limited prior experience. Example, 1918 Spanish flu. Dimension financial system. Typical disruption is low to moderate correlation with global financial system. COVID-19 is high correlation with global financial system. Human impact behavior. Typical disruption, localized human impact with limited duration. Public fear is short-term and most risks are visible. Example, experience a tornado or earthquake. With COVID-19, the widespread is human impact with unknown duration and unknown impact. Public fear is longer term and risks are invisible and unknown. So back to this article, how Coca-Cola produced this warehouse. So they, they went in with a drive-in rack. During the first couple of years, the company used the facility almost as all cases were stacked on the floor. Only a small section of rack had existed. To triple the capacity, a lot more rack was needed since the plan did not include expanding the facility's 108,000 square foot footprint. The decision to use rack and lift trucks to manage inventory is not unique to Jacksonville. In fact, all the company's Florida warehouses use rack or floorage storage. Together, they manage 100 million cases a year produced at the company's four bottling facilities scattered around the state of Florida. Automation is not part of the mix yet. More on that later. The decision was made to go with drive-in racks throughout the facility. In fact, the company had used twin-load drive-in rack at several facilities where you can grab two pallets, sometimes six pallets at a time. Drive-in rack design is best suited to Coke's high-density storage operations. Alternatives include pushback and flow rack. However, both of these rack designs are not as well suited to the throughput and handling requirements of the facility, says Williams. We are most interested in the simplest, most basic rack at the lowest cost per pallet position for high-density storage of the real heavy pallet loads of drinks, says Reed. Drive-in racks at Williams is one-third cost per pallet position compared to automated solutions. It's not uncommon to maximize storage density and a limited footprint by going several storages level high. However, the Jacksonville facility has a clear height of 32 feet, limiting racks to four levels. That was also the maximum vertical reach for the counterbalanced 
lift trucks already at the facility. So all rack in the facility is four high. Getting the layout right. When it comes to product flow, the warehouse has two schemes. In the front half of the facility, there are roughly 1 million cases of broad range of drinks totaling about 150 SKUs. This product turns at a much faster pace than the rest of H2, turning roughly every t 10 days. The back half is dedicated cases of water stage for natural disasters and is expected to sit there for 6 months or longer. They require a split decision. The front half... The front half has 5,700 pallet positions. The front third has two aisles, and there are three aisles in the back two-thirds. An office area fills out what could, would have been a third aisle of storage up front. All, all aisles are 16 feet wide, and racks are 11 bays deep. The back half has 11,500 pallet positions. A single 18-foot wide aisle splits the storage with 24 pallet positions deep on the right side of 22 pallet pos positions deep on the left. Seven SKUs are stored in this section. Two pallet sizes, 36 by 36 and 40 by 48, can be stored in the high-density rack. In fact, the design can accommodate both sizes at the same time. That's pretty impressive. How H2 operates. Operation of the facility is fairly straightforward. Pallets in, pallets out. It runs two shifts, six days a week in an average week. H2 moves in and out. 100 to 130 truckloads of pallets are about 150,000 cases a day. Coke gets double duty out of every lift truck run, moving two pallets at a time. A double shifter attachment handles two pallets side by side. Lift trucks drive into standard over-the-road transport trucks to pick up two pallets. Put-away is directed by Coke's warehouse management system. To store pallets, a truck simply drives into the designated storage lane as far forward as possible, dropping off the load at that location. The driver then backs to the truck out of the lane to drive to the next assignment. Product picking is basically the same process, but in reverse in terms of load handling. The drive-in rack is really easy for the driver to maneuver a load. There's no complexity to the put-away or pick-up operation because the rack is so simple, says Reed. Looking to the future. The first six months of H2's operation in the new layout has certainly been eventful, but already Reed and others are looking at what, what can be done to make it more efficient. They have noticed that a choke point is moving pallets in and out of over the road trucks at the docks. It simply ties up more time than the desire to maneuver the loads with conventional lift trucks. Reed says they're now looking at automation at the docks. A leading possibility is an automatic guided vehicle, which is called an AGV, that would load and unload over the road trucks. On the delivery side, they would position pallet loads for pickup by the counterbalance trucks. On the shipment side, they would pick up loads left by those trucks. The idea is to free up trucks for put away and picking up loads. If AGVs were added to the operation, that would be a first for Coca-Cola Florida. And in that case, it would be entirely in keeping with another innovative first at the H2. Well, that is all I have for this week. I'm sorry, guys, this was so short. We will get back to you next week with a longer version of Iggy Supply Chain and stuff. Stay tuned and stay safe and keep up with that supply chain.